Hello, and welcome to Punching Out. Every week, we're here on Wayo Radio talking about the problems people have with their work, whether it's incompetent bosses or unfair policies, hostile workplaces or dismal paychecks, or anything in between. We want to hear from you. If you'd like to share your work problems with us, email us at punchingoutwayo at gmail.com and let us talk about them. Tune in and punch out. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hello and welcome to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined today by Noah. Hi, y'all. And Lou. Hey, guys. On today's show, we're going to be talking about um, unemployment and specifically the group of people who thinks there should be more of it. This group of people, you might be surprised to learn, exists and was sort of epitomized by the recent comments made by an Australian CEO, Tim Gurner. If you recognize that name, it might be because in 2017, he was the CEO who made the remarks heard around the world about how millennials <laughs> need to stop eating avocado toast so that they can afford housing. Little Just, did he know that was going to be a battle cry for all millennials uh, going into the economy and workforce. Clearly, clearly a really nice guy. Also, did not realize that that was 2017. It felt like either it happened the other day or 6.5 million years ago. Yeah, I, I definitely would have guessed that this happened in like the early part of Obama's second term. Mitt Romney said it is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this guy is Mitt Romney. I don't know but if Australia? Australia has any weird religious sects, but this guy probably belongs to it. No Gibson exists. Oh, okay. Yeah, fair, fair. Turns out they do make weird people there. Huh? Anyways. <laughs> we should get into what he actually said this time around. Uh, we're not just rehashing the uh, avocado toast debate. I've got a quote from a Huffington Post article, which uh, details his comments. Quote, on Tuesday, Tim Gurner, founder and head of Gurner Group, suggested that employees need to be reminded, quote, that they work for the employer, not the other way around. People decided that they didn't really want to work so much anymore through COVID, and that has had a massive issue on productivity, he told the Australian Financial Review Property Summit in Sydney. I can it, only imagine what the Australian Property Review Financial Summit is like. Isn't the Garner Group that Russian mercenary unit whose founder got murked the other that day? That is the Wagner Group. Please uh, cannot mix those up. But you can see how it could happen. Both billionaires, I'm just saying. Anyway, yes, the, what was the full name? Australian Financial Review what summit? Property Summit, you know, just oh, to really great. put the Property. underline on the sentence. Yes, because property can meet and talk about things. Property property has uh, the, the ability to be diplomatic. That's lovely. Just really laying it all out there. I mean, clearly I, they wish they owned humans, so I think you're onto something, Noah. Really, it's just an inefficient term. The term for property summit is roof. <laughs> roof. 
Yep. Fair. Solved it. That that's his whole issue. This whole time he's been dealing with that tension of like not using the proper word for a roof. And that's yes. what's caused him to go full like Batman villain. Clearly clearly if I recall the Australian Financial Review roof, this man would not currently be turning into uh a caricature of the of the local rich guy who tries to uh destroy the the uh community center to build a new, I don't know. What do they even build? I don't think I ever actually saw it. I think it's usually a shopping mall. Yeah, okay. Yeah, or if you play Stardew Valley, it's like a Jojo Mart. Jojo? Fine. Jojo? I, like I get it. Jojo, I think. Yeah. But yes. Also, um, we need to talk about the fact that in... Well, we don't need to get to this yet, but apparently he mentioned the term for uh, tradespeople in Australia, like skilled laborers, which is tautological all labor is skilled labor except ironically for people like tim Gurner. but he apparently called them and again this is a preposterous term that australians are using tradies oh i hate that which is the like family that. from dune like you shouldn't otherwise you should not be hearing that that collection of sounds anywhere maybe this is the problem maybe it's that australia is such a fundamentally unserious country that this dude thought he was safe saying something like this. Because we are going to get into people who, who have to dress up this exact sentiment because they know they can't say it out loud. I think the uh, money quote, so to speak, from all of this was um, unemployment has to jump 40, 50 percent. We need to see pain in the economy. Anybody who's listening to Punching Out knows why this is a ridiculous statement. Uh, I'm sure you know people who are currently experiencing pain in the economy we already have. Uh, you know, so the idea that we need to amplify that by 40 or 50%, just needlessly cruel and stupid and not cool. Yeah, I mean, this guy, like, has... He must live in... in well, he's a rich person, so he can make his own world and make it so that he never has to interact with anybody who has to worry about childcare or inflation or uh, any of the other things that, that any of us here have to deal with student loan payments restarting in two weeks. Happy days. These are not things that any way touch this man's reality. And so that's, why it doesn't occur to him until well after the fact that that is a ridiculous thing for him to say that people need to suffer more. Like that's just ridiculous and cruel and illustrates how there is no, we, we are not in the same economy as this guy. Right. I, I, I think that's a very good way of putting it. Like fundamentally this guy lives in a world of uh, abstractions uh, the economy for him is a line on a chart. It's uh, an aggregate of statistics, and it is not the like experience of not knowing how you're going to pay rent the next month. Um, it, if anything, he is the guy collecting rent, I imagine. that's has to be somewhere in his job as a real estate CEO. He's able to say these things because to him... Like the people this might affect aren't real. They're ants viewed from above. Exactly correct. And not only that, but 
on top of him considering people ants, everyone that was in the room with him, except maybe a few financial journalists who had to be there for work. And even then, I'm not so sure about them because a lot of them seem weirdly willing to kiss up to these people even when they don't need to. Everyone who heard that remark agrees on some level with him if they were in that room. And that's definitely part of the problem. I I see that I didn't know this. Alexander Ocasio-Cortez pointed out the obvious, which is that CEOs, the least necessary workers in any company, they don't do things except sit on the toilet and take meetings. And literally any of us could do that for a lot less pay and probably be better at it. So basically what you're paying somebody to do is just schmooze. That's all they're good at doing. And given what we've seen CEOs get into trouble for, apparently they're not even good at that. They have raised their pay and benefits and compensation and everything until the ratio of pay from, again, the people who do the least work in any company to the people who do all of the work is the highest it has ever been. Kind of unbelievable, given that, you know, we talk about the Gilded Age like it was a bad time. And we've not only replicated it, but we've put it on steroids now. And there doesn't seem to be much will to change that. Uh, much much desire, certainly in the Anglosphere, to do anything about that problem. So Tim, the, the Tim Skerner of the world will continue doing this as long as there is no actual opposition. But in his case, it, it looks like eventually something got to his shriveled three sizes too small heart. Before we get to his apology, I want to continue from the things he said that Nessa necessitated an apology so why does he want pain in the economy because quote when there's been a systematic change where employees feel the employer is extremely lucky to have them as opposed to the other way around it's a dynamic that has to change we've got to kill that attitude um said the growing rate of unemployment was promising as layoffs has started to translate to quote less arrogance in the employment market Workers were being uppity is what he means. Yes, more or less. This is, to him, this is like the real problem in the economy is that he can't get somebody to shine his shoes for, you know, 50 cents an hour. Yep, exactly that. He, he, like, so many people of his ilk, like, truly believe that they are owed labor. Like, it's not that they need to meet certain conditions in order to purchase labor from somebody. They are owed your labor. And the fact that they have to pay you, that's actually a gift they are giving you to, to show you what a kind and benevolent master they are. That's what it is. And the fact that he has been on this for like five years at minimum and really hasn't learned anything is really... An indictment of how little the people in power have learned anything since, you know, anything. Well, because the people in power are not going to voluntarily learn anything. That That's the problem you have there. They have literally shuttered themselves away from ever having to change, from ever having, you know, like, every time one of these things happens, I mean, Mitt Romney, right? openly said that 47% of America 
well, not openly, but somebody, a hero of the working class, snitched on him. 47%, he said to a bunch of other people that 47% of America produces nothing and is useless. The people in that room that he said that to employ those 47% that he was talking about. And the only bad thing that happened as a result is he lost a presidential election. He's a senator now. Half of, half of Democrats in this country think he's a principled person. This is a man who spent his entire life raiding companies, stripping their assets and destroying them. And despite that, he still gets to ride off into the sunset pretending to be an elder statesman. Yeah, Gerner uses the term arrogance, and it seems to me that the only arrogance here is the idea that you can say something like this and not expect pushback. The Huffington Post article notes that the 50% increase in unemployment he's talking about would mean 275,000 people in Australia. Um scale that up appropriately for what it would mean in the United States, because God only knows that, you know, he's not just viewing this in Australian terms. He thinks that everyone everywhere should be uh, a little more fearful for their job, a little less willing to uh, ask for more. Yeah. So over the last several years, we've seen, you know, unionization waves, Unfortunately, in industries that also tend to be overexposed to layoffs, we've seen strikes, we've seen attempts at, you know, collectivization, collective bargaining in the public and private sectors, at least in the United States. Uh, You're seeing unions kind of understand that their struggle is also an anti-colonial struggle, is also an environmental struggle. Well, most unions, some of them still need to, you know, figure that out for themselves. And the problem is that despite all of that, or, or rather, the, the, the counterpunch to that was always going to be that the more power workers take, because this is the thing, right? You can be as socially liberal as they come and pretend that you're a good person while you sit under billions. But the moment, the thing that will always, always out you as a billionaire living off the money of millions of other people is always going to be, where do you stand on workers having power? And none of these billionaires are okay with it. I don't care if they own the baseball team you like. I don't care if they, if you think that they made their money legitimately. None of them did. I don't, no, that doesn't exist. It just doesn't. There is no way to be that rich just off of your labor. It doesn't exist. And Nothing outs these people faster than asking them where do they stand on the little people to them being able to sort of determine their own destiny. Immediately, that's when the neo-feudal comes out. That's when you realize that just like, you know, the dukes and and earls of, of times past, all they want to do is to sit in their castles and have no one bother them except the people that they, frankly, charge fees and and in-kind items and whatever so they can continue to live off of them. One of these days we should really explore that neo-feudal idea in depth, huh? Yeah, I think maybe that'd be a great idea. Just to finish off this um, 
Tim Gurner bit. Uh, he did apologize. As sure Mel has made reference to. Let's see. Uh, quote. At the AFR Property Summit this week, I made some remarks about unemployment and productivity in Australia that I deeply regret and were wrong, Gurner said in a statement released on Thursday. Isn't there another like, sentence where he says tradies again? Yes. Uh, my comments were deeply insensitive to employees, tradies, and families across Australia who are you affected by say. these cost of living pressures. <laughs> and job you life. cannot say my comments were deeply insensitive to tradies. I'm sorry. <laughs> It feels like it should be a slur, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'm sorry. Your, like, profession of being a stock trader is not, like, a protected class or even, like, an identifier. It just, like, marks you as a douchebag. That's that's the primary function there. Marks you as a bad person. Tradies <laughs> are, are, are uh, skilled workers. Trades people. Not oh, I happens. see. I I thought it was like somebody's trading stocks. That would be a lot funnier. <laughs> if that were true, I mean, I would want no. If that were the case, I would want every comment to be in, deeply insensitive to tradies. Yeah, that's, like that's what I was. That's okay. My and, bad. I'm sorry, and, team. I'm going to start referring to baseball general managers as tradies. <laughs> Sure, sure. Why not? Okay. We should end this segment before we make more baseball jokes. When we come back, we're going to get to more people who hold Tim Gurner's views but have managed not to say them in such deeply horrific ways. We'll be back. You're listening to Punching Out on WAYOLP Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are. Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined still by Noah. Still hi, y'all. And Lou. Hey, guys. In our first segment today, we discussed some recent remarks by Australian real estate ghoul Tim Gurner, um, who said at a what is being described as a property summit, which is how you know it's cool, that we need to reintroduce pain into the economy. Unemployment should be 40, 50 percent higher than it actually is in order to effectively keep workers' attitudes in check, you know, to give them a dose of reality is how he probably would have phrased it if he could have thought his words through again. Noxious, horrible. You don't need us to tell you why this guy's a jerk. But it should be noted that there are a lot of people in positions of power, positions more powerful even than real estate CEO, who basically view the world in the exact same way that uh, Gurner does and who have been using their power, acting upon it in an effort to create the unemployment he's looking for. It hasn't worked, but that won't stop them from trying. There's a Money Watch article from last September 
with the headline, Buckle Up, America, the Fed Plans to Sharply Boost Unemployment. And don't you just love anything that comes out of an outlet named Money Watch? Yeah. You got to watch it. What's that they say? Watched money never boils or whatever? That's exactly what they say. Quoting from the article, in case the U.S. economy wasn't hurting enough already, the Federal Reserve has a message for Americans. It's about to get much more painful. Fed Chair Jerome Powell made that amply clear last week when the central bank projected its benchmark rate hitting 4.4% by the end of the year, even if it causes a recession. There will very likely be some softening of labor market conditions, Powell said, in his September 21st economic outlook. We will keep at it until we are confident the job is done. All of these euphemisms mean we're going to try so that more people are unemployed. We're going to try really hard to engineer a recession if need be. Yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to make sure that if you do get a job, you get paid less, but you know, you're too afraid to ask for more or to try and get a different job. We're going to, we're going to make it such that you are in constant fear for your life. Just, absolutely wetting yourself at the thought that you might one day not not report to your crappy boss who tr- who treats you horrendously that's what they're trying to create by the way jet powell not that not that you ever appoint like you know santa claus as the fed chair that's never going to happen but jet powell in particular is a private equity ghoul who again is one of these people who has spent his entire career destroying livelihoods and companies and making the rest of our lives materially worse. So, you know, it's, again, I know we're working with a subset of already like 50% and up ghoulish humans who have that position, but maybe let's not put somebody whose entire industry experience is literally being like a, a virus on the system again. This is this is somebody whose entire role in the economy was to like punch holes in it. Yeah, it's like the, the economy on the government level and on the level of the Fed it, it says it's trying to like adjust macroeconomic trends in order to stabilize the economy. And I believe Ryan, it was you who mentioned in the last episode, like that worldview, that very trends number based, that um, the macroeconomic view of the world ignores completely the fact that you're dealing with the lives and livelihoods of actual human beings who to them, the economy is, can you pay rent next month? Can you afford groceries? Can you afford your car note? Anything like that. And those kind of things, the fact that like what one third of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, um, that some number in that range can't afford an emergency of $200. Uh, these are all starkly true. And yet it's their jobs who have to control inflation, which is by the way, just, All of the articles, bless them actually, for mentioning in this most recent round of high inflation for us has not been driven by wages. Wages, yes, increased, but they have not increased at the level of inflation. Wages increased maybe 5%. Inflation hit almost over 9% at one point. 
And that was driven by supply side stuff, either supply chain issues, but we all know it was price gouging. That's what it was. And the inflation issues, this these price hikes are not going to touch the issue of price gouging. That The Fed has no control over that whatsoever. But that is the only tool that they have. And that is the only thing they have is that stick to beat the rest of us with in order to control the, the economy so that the rich can continue their lives and be stable and be masters of the universe while the rest of us suffer. I'll, I'll see you that and I'll raise you that. It's not just that it's the one tool that they have. It's that that's their job. Their job is essentially to tank the economy when workers get too powerful. Like, let's remember that the Fed chair for a long time was Alan Greenspan, an avowed Randian who saw it as his job, as his mission in life, to cause Atlas Shrugged to be a thing. That is what he wanted. That is what his dream world was. And when that's the kind of people that you're working with, that's the kind of people that you're appointing to to head this institution, they are going to correctly understand that their role as Fed chair is to discipline workers. We're pretending that it's about putting pain on businesses by increasing the cost of borrowing money. But ultimately, businesses, as several of these articles point out, what they will do is they will pass. It doesn't matter because if wages increase, then businesses, the the people who own them, can't take a pay cut. They can't take less profit. So instead, they're just going to raise prices and pass that on to consumers. And during COVID, we discovered that they will raise prices regardless of what their labor costs are, because supposedly nobody wanted to work anymore, and yet labor costs kept going up. So, you know, really good question how it's possible for those two things to coexist. But here we are. And once they raise those prices, and, and now, as the Fed says, well, prices are going up too much, even though everybody's pays generally getting cut except for like the people that we actually listen to but let's not bring that in let's not talk about that that's not a data point we need to concern ourselves with so instead why don't we take a look at the fact that that price prices have increased and say instead let's make borrowing money harder and then businesses will still make the rest of us pay by firing people and there's no programs out there and this is a bipartisan effort too I mean, you look at, you know, the Biden administration now is rolling back every single little piece of safety net from the pandemic, whatever was left over. There has been no attempt to keep any of that going. We're just pretending that everything's completely back to normal, that, you know, wastewater doesn't say we're we're back to 2020 peak levels or whatever. And everybody's just supposed to be fine with that. So when you've got both parties cooperating on immiserating the American public at large, it's kind of hard to it's easy to understand why jed powell looks at this and says you know what i have so many dreams of being general douglas macarthur just rolling tanks onto the bonus army i i love that that is what i want to see in my life and it's definitely going to happen again if i do this which is why i need to do it as hard and as fast as possible the money watch article i quoted from earlier in the segment that was from last september uh but these Headlines keep popping up over the last year or so. April 7th in CNBC. Why it's possible to have too much employment in the U.S. 
February in time, it could be harder to find a job and get a pay raise if the Fed gets its way. It's striking to see this perspective where the sorts of economic news that we had taken to be good news for so long, you know, wages going up, unemployment going down. To most normal people, those are good happenings. And in this corner of society, in the corner of society populated by economic sadists, you get reactions like, oh, this is terrible. This this can't be. This is actually bad news. Biden's economy simply has too few people unemployed. There's simply no way we can keep up. And it's hard to, like, if you're a normal person who isn't invested in economics as, like, a pseudoscience, you, it's hard to square this perspective with the one in which you actually experience the world. Because economics is a load of crap. And I, I remember, how many years ago was it now that finally economists admitted something every, as you put it, normal person knew, and also most of the weird ones, that people do not make, you know, rational market decisions? It, it Wasn't that like this past decade? It was before the avocado toast, but not by much. For instance, people are listening to this show at work. You know, what's rational economic about that? There you go. I mean, you 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 said it, but this is a discipline that had its beginning in like out and out quacks in the kingdom of France in the 18th century. The fact that we allow economists to be respected is yet more proof that this is an unserious era and we live in an unserious country. Absolutely just disgusting desire to just let it and and to be fair a lot of this is that you know these are programs that these are the only college programs that get funded because all you need is the right is a right wing billionaire and you will have an economics department for the rest of time and it will endlessly replicate like the borg <laughs> but these are these are not people with a view of human behavior these are people who ex, who want everything to work like their graphs and if it doesn't work like their graphs, then reality has to be wrong. As you yourself pointed out, Ryan, unemployment keeps going down. That has not changed the Fed's approach. If the Fed were data-driven, it would actually decide, oh, well, clearly there's something not matching up here. But the Fed is not data-driven. The Fed is driven by vibes. And the vibes it is getting are rich people saying, I have to pay too much money. Yeah, I mean, it's it's exactly the hot dog guy meme of the CEOs and, uh, you know, the we're all trying to find the guy who did this. Oh, yes. It's the CEOs of all these companies going to the Fed trying to say, like, inflation, we're all trying to find the guy who did this. It's you. You're the guys. Side note, I must get on my Mark's bandwagon again. I have said in the past that Marx was right that labor produces value. And he was so right that economists for years and years did like believe that value is created by labor. And then he destroyed them and showed how that was, uh, if you assume that, then, then there's a whole lot of 
like cascading implications that that show that prove that capitalism is evil. So they were like, oh, wait, we can't do that. So we're going to switch to a marginal value economy where everything's valuable because of how much more you have of it than you did before kind of thing. It's kind of stupid, but it's all math. It's all graphs. So it can be objective. So exactly what you're saying, Noah, like they look at these measurements that they created with political goals in mind to show quote unquote objective truths so that they could have their way. That's it. It is, it is entirely founded. Economics as we know it today is entirely founded on the idea of wealth is good and builds power. I, I think it's worth exploring just the um, the mechanisms by which all this actually benefits these people. Like, why is it that they want unemployment to be higher? It's because when there are a lot of people looking for work, you can get labor for cheaper. It's, as Marx put it, the reserve army of the unemployed, right? When that is out there chasing for jobs, it becomes a lot more difficult for workers to, say, ask for a raise or to get a leg up at their job because it's they're replaceable. They can easily bring someone in who can do the same job for less money if you dare ask for too much. And... I can say from my own experience, I moved to New York City without a job lined up two years ago. And one of the things that helped me feel a little bit of confidence in doing that is the fact that all of the news articles at the time were like restaurant owners saying nobody wants to work anymore. We can't get good workers. Unemployment was like 4% at the time. So I felt pretty good that, you know, even me as somebody with basically nothing except this show on my resume would be able to find some work somewhere that would help me make ends meet. And it's worked more or less. So if high unemployment is a boon for these people because leaves workers more vulnerable, it leaves them more powerful in the equation. It has to be said that our current low rates of unemployment have been pretty good for workers at the bottom rungs of the ladder, just in their ability to branch out and you know work jobs that are better than restaurants. Like a large part of the reason why restaurants can't find labor is that those workers have moved on to better employment. Yeah. The starting point for people like Tim Garner, for people like uh, the the presidents and vice presidents of the Fed is they want a world in which directly or indirectly we all work for them, in which they establish these chains of ownership such that you can be some random person working, I don't know, working some tourist attraction in the middle of nowhere. And that chain and, and your boss has a boss whose boss is this other person that eventually connects to one of these billionaires. They want to carve up the entire world among themselves and leave no piece of it unowned. The only stuff they let the rest of us do is what they don't think will profit them in the long run or will cost them more to run than, you know, than, than, than they want to. Not even necessarily that it won't turn a profit. It just won't turn enough of one or it won't be a continuous enough profit because they are trying to use up the entire planet as quickly as possible and all of the people in it. And I think it's notable that 
when it was, you know, the restaurants and the hotels and all the service industries that had shortages, then we were supposed to be really, really worried for the state of the economy. But a lot of those shortages are done, despite the fact that business owners keep insisting they aren't. And as a result, we're no longer supposed to be worried. And Ryan, what minute are we at right now? Like 36 or something? Meanwhile, when there's a teacher shortage... <laughs> 36, guys. Vox will run articles saying this is completely... This is a narrative, and it's emotionally true, but it is factually false. There's not actually a teacher shortage. There are plenty of people applying to be teachers. Most positions are being filled, and so on and so on. And there's not a tear shed for, you know, the schools that don't have the people to fill the classes that they need because there's a complete disinvestment in public education underway. I read this the other day online, and it is always in fashion to act superior and say that if you're getting emotional about something, that you're unserious, that you're not, you're not intellectual enough, that you're not logical enough that you're, you're feeling things too strongly. But Tim Gurner did that work for us. When you talk about introducing pain into the economy, when you're Jerome Powell and you say things have to get more painful, pain is a physical response and it is an emotional response. You, they know that what they are doing is going to drive people out of work. It is going to make people sick. It is going to kill people. They know that. They are fine with that cost. And if you, I don't think anybody listening to the show disagrees with this, but if those deaths are acceptable, I mean, we know they are, but at what point do we do something about this? They're openly saying they want to kill us. They have been for years. Yeah. I think one part of the... uh reason why there's sort of such different reactions between a teacher shortage and a shortage of labor at a restaurant is like who gets attention from the media restaurant owners know the levers through which they can reach the local news outlet to talk about how you know teenagers don't want to work anymore how they can't find good high schoolers anymore how you know the thrill is gone for them they don't know how much longer they'll be able to live like this whereas like teachers like there's not a conference for unpropertied people there's you know you have your property summit but there's not a uh, there's not a, a renter summit i think that's called a tenant union but no, that's an excellent point, though. Like the the rich and wealthy are so much more organized that just just by default than anybody else. And it, it like it doesn't matter what class you are, you are not nearly as organized as uh, the people at the top. And that makes it really difficult to fight against them. Not that it can't be done. And I think it's worth pointing out that you know the the measurements that we use to to judge the economy, whether it be inflation or interest rates or unemployment or employment or any of these rates, they are imperfect tools. 
that don't even really do the job that they want to do. Because the unemployment rate, for example, famously doesn't include anybody who has given up looking for a job or has had to drop out of the workforce because of illness or disability or because they don't have childcare or anything like that, which I don't know, we may have undergone like this really big health crisis in the past three years that have really affected a lot of people's ability to work and just function, let alone in or out of the economy. So your ability to work, we've said this before, we've said this so many times, shouldn't be the biggest determining factor in whether or not you can live. And your ability to work is definitely not something that needs to be trifled with when we have no safety nets. If you're actively trying to fire people, but we don't have any way of housing people, of feeding them, of giving them health care or anything like that, you have no business getting people laid off. No business whatsoever. That is sentencing people to death. There's no other way to put it. That is what you are trying to do with, with people's lives. Because we don't have any resources to fall back on. We're not, like, and even Europe to some degree and other countries in the world have had to cut back on resources because they're following the lead of Americans where we have just put up with getting nothing from our government for decades. Like, we can't do this. People die when you when this happens. Not to make too abruptly a shift towards humorous tone, but one thing about facing an episode on articles from, like, several months ago is you get to see all of the ways in which these people were wrong the whole time. So, for instance, uh, we have Jerome Powell and the Fed estimating that unemployment will rise to 4.4% next year from uh, last September. It's not 4.4% right now. It's much lower than that. In January 2022, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell announced that, quote, labor market conditions are consistent with maximum employment. Unemployment... Employment has only gone up since then. We have broken the maximum. And of course, all of these, all of their efforts at raising unemployment have been based on the idea that doing so would help curb inflation. And yet, even as unemployment has continued to sink, so has inflation. Like the basis of their whole worldview and their actions hasn't really held up to scrutiny no it has not are you, are you telling me they're just full of crap possibly because i mean we know that that's the thing we know that we know that from you know public shareholder calls from grocery stores in canada and i believe ironically enough australia where supermarket chains are openly saying that they're raising prices because they think consumers will pay them. There is a pain point at which they will no longer do so. 
like we reached that with eggs, where finally, even though they kept claiming that it was some kind of avian flu that was destroying everything, and that was the reason that eggs had to go up massively in price, as soon as it became clear that if egg prices didn't come down, someone was going to start getting murdered, <laughs> suddenly egg prices have tumbled to, I think, b below what they were before the pandemic. And they've been that way for months. They know what they are doing is wrong. They know that what they are doing is subjecting people to death. And they are aware that there should be consequences for that action. They are just too cowardly to want to suffer them. We're going to take a break here. Uh, we have maybe 10 minutes left in this episode. And uh, I think we should spend that time maybe discussing other subjects. I'm sure something's come up in the news lately. <laughs> we'll be back. You're listening to Punching Out on Wayo 104.3. You can subscribe to the show or listen to past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and other podcast apps. We are also on Facebook and Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined still by Noah. Stonks. And Lou. Hey, guys. Um, on today's show, we spent the first two segments talking about unemployment and the people who want you to experience it. Um, but we're going to try something new in our third segment. Rather than our traditional uh, attempts at spinning out a positive moral from the story and you know leaving people on a happy note, which often ends depressing anyways. Um, we're going to you know, talk about a few of the uh, news items that have uh, happened over the past couple weeks now that um, aren't really big enough topics for a single episode, but are worth discussing and giving airtime to. One in particular that caught my eye is that the uh, California Senate has passed a bill that would give striking workers such as the you know SAG AFTRA and the WGA workers who are on strike against the the movie and TV industry the ability to collect unemployment benefits which when you pause for a moment to consider the implications of that would be a pretty significant game changer it would mean that no longer can industries simply start waiting for workers to lose their homes because they are going to continue receiving an income beyond what um, you know whatever strike fund they might have as a union and Pete Buttigieg will get to the bottom of how much they have in that strike fund <laughs> so i know that this is very strange but how do you react to this good news Yay. <laughs> no, really it's prepared for me posing such a question. I know. No, I mean, number one, trying to react to like good news on this show is, you know, it's, it's been a minute. We've just had like a very depressing year, few years at this point. So it it's really cool. Like you got to hand it to, to California that they are really trying to protect workers and in a a real way like they do have some of the the most strong break laws in the country 
they they do a lot so that's really cool that they they have given this additional support to workers who are just trying to get get an even share of what's going on already in the economy yeah i think it's it's particularly notable that you can probably name this when we find out whichever producer said we're going to wait until which I remember of the mountainous pile of toilet paper said, we're going to wait this out until people start losing food and losing their homes or whatever. Find out who that was and name this law after them, because that person is probably why this law exists. They, again, they, they, Tim Gurner did, they said the loud, uh, they said the quiet part loud and everyone heard it. Uh, and as a result, Gavin Newsom, who is clearly positioning himself to be the next useless democratic president of the United States, he heard the call to do something. Should note has not been signed into law by Newsom yet. So has he, he might not he do not? something. Ooh, interesting. He might very well. It just hasn't happened yet as Fair of enough. this recording. <clears throat> Speaking of governors, Kathy Hochul, someone close to home for us. Uh, signed into law recently a bill that bans captive audience meetings, which are a famous anti-union tactic uh, held by the likes of Starbucks and Amazon and, frankly, just about everybody. I I think the most famous captive audience meetings on our show were the No Evil Foods meetings that got recorded and, like, shared with Vice or whatever. You know, these are where employers are free to hold their workers, you know, for however long they want so that they can give a helpful lecture on, you know, the possible downsides of unionizing. And New York just banned it. They said, you can't do that anymore. Um, Quoting from National Law Review here. The new law makes it unlawful for employers in New York to take adverse action against employees who refuse to attend meetings or listen to communications, the primary purpose of which is to communicate the employer's religious or political views, including its views on the decision to join or support a union. All well and good there. I will say this, like, just to be a little bit of a Debbie Downer, as is my want, uh, Noah has said a few times how like positive rights are probably better than negative rights because this is one of those situations where I can absolutely see somebody still doing these captive audience meetings uh, and you just have to go, but that's illegal and they won't care. Like it, it only matters if there's some tooth behind it. So we'll see. It's a good, it's a, a good step. It's not a bad step. I'm just cautious. I I do um, enjoy these little carve-outs noted in this article. The new law expressly does not prohibit, quote, casual conversations between an employer or its agent or representative and employees, quote, provided participation in such conversations is not required. You can have conversations with your employees. You just can't make them listen to you. So, so you can you can do it, but you can tell them that they can all put in their earbuds and listen to music while you're doing it. All right, that's <laughs> yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, I was I was wondering because Kathy Hochul is not exactly known as a champion of workers' rights in any way. It just it didn't fit with her image, so I was I was a little bit surprised when that happened. 
to some extent, this is the product of New York having a trifecta and a like an assembly that is pretty progressive as uh, democratic legislative bodies go. You know, this never would have happened under Andrew Cuomo or even under uh, past situations where Republicans held the state Senate because of unspoken backroom deals. Also, the Andrew Cuomo, the Andrew Cuomo speech where he doesn't sign it while saying, I'm a union member, I'm a captive audience would have been spellbinding. Very good. Anyway, what else we got here? My stockpile has run low, I'm afraid. I, That's I didn't what we're prepare. hoping happens to all the billionaires. I, I was kind of thinking we'd get three full segments out of the unemployment thing, so I'm just adapting on the fly here. Unlike Jerome Powell. Ha ha ha. <laughs> so there was that rule that NLRB released where uh, if your employer does any kind of anti-union busting of any kind, you're automatically awarded a union, which is so cool. That's That's awesome. That's positive rights. The the fan interference NLRB rule. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> that was cool news. That really was. And Just a quote from a Guardian article about this to give them more concrete idea about what all this means. <clears throat> the new framework means companies that are found to have committed illegal acts during unionization election efforts will be forced to immediately bargain with the union rather than just have to run the election again, which is what happened previously. Long time punching out listeners might recall the Amazon election redo in Alabama, which um, they won again. So this is expressly, you know, a tool to combat situations like that, where, you know, Amazon won the first election through illegal means and then, Everybody kind of remembered that election when voting the second time. So at any rate, more good news. And isn't it good that we're ending the show on a positive note for once? It is quite pleasant. I I don't know how to feel, if I'm being honest. This is such a new experience. We've always tried to end on a positive note, and this is the first time we've actually done it. I mean, it is pretty wonderful. Yeah, to be fair, like the past few years, child labor, immigration. What? COVID. Don't do it. Don't Why do it. You Don't do it. it. You're, oh, ruining it. You're ruining it. You're ruining it. Sorry. Next week, I'm Ryan. I'm Lou. I was Noah. This is punching out. You've been listening to Punching Out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Email us your work stories, complaints, and struggles to punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.